and welcome to the Being Cherished podcast, a podcast where we celebrate people from the Chinese-Irish community and other minority communities living in Ireland. The Being Cherished podcast provides a platform for underrepresented voices, and I'm your host, Diana Chung, a filmmaker from Derry. In this episode, I chat to Vicky Tumili. She is the founder of Irish Born Chinese, as well as a coder, a tech events organizer, and a maker advocate. Vicky was brought up in the Midwest of Ireland, in Limerick, but is now based in Dublin. We talk about her career, her experiences as an Irish-born Chinese person growing up in Limerick, and we also chat about family traditions and culture. Please help me welcome Vicky Toomey Lee. Good morning, Vicky. Welcome to the Being Cherished podcast. It is lovely um, to see you this morning. How are you and how is life in the big smoke? Well, good morning to you too. And thanks for having me on this podcast. Uh, we are doing well here in Dublin. Well, I haven't been into Dublin. I'm more at home for the past year, all locked up. <laughs> uh, we are level five, regardless what the Irish government said, because uh, we just wanted to be uh safe and um and uh of course my father-in-law had just had his first job so we're the only social bubble so working from home the usual like most people i think so we're doing okay we're everyone's safe and sound so <laughs> that's that's great to hear vicky you're a coder tech event organizer pythonista yeah <laughs> that's uh... tech people can you just describe a wee bit about um, your current job so uh, I'm still some of those things. Uh, I still code more of as a hobbyist instead of a day job. I think I haven't been coding as a day job for ages. Uh, when I say Pythonista, it's a coding language. And um, it's I've been part of that community for so long, for since the early 2000s, running their technical events to the conferences, to being part of a worldwide group that, that um, help look at grants to help other people run their own. Uh, coding groups and communities. So um, I, I'm very proud of uh, calling myself a Pythonista. It's one of many people, terms people call themselves who are fans of of the the, the, the language. So it's, I suppose it's very geeky. My my blurb normally is uh, I'm a coder, I'm a tech event organizer, a mentor. I advocate diversity in tech, which is very important since I suppose um, since 2012. Um, so in the area of uh, the, uh, the industry, as you can imagine, um, being female and Asian is uh, you don't normally see many of my people like myself around back back then. Uh, well, I don't anyway. The events that I go to, I always see it's very as a handful. And um, and when I especially when I run them, I get very disappointed. And if I see someone just like myself, I will just literally ignore everyone in the room and just beeline for that person. And and maybe hopefully I didn't scare them away because of it. But it's just um, I I have I had this question of why there isn't enough diversity in tech, and uh, and then I just wanted to run more um, in kind of uh, inclusive and friendlier groups, and um, so to gather um, people. It doesn't matter you know, your, your your gender or what kind of background or if you're completely new in the coding, whatever it is, um, it's an opportunity for people to get together and learn something and be curious about it. 
th- that's all my volunteer stuff. So my current day job is um, maker advocate for the Dublin Maker Team, who runs an annual festival. Uh, well, not really annual because we had to postpone last year. Thanks. COVID and uh, being a maker advocate well I suppose I step back a bit what is a maker a maker is anything you make with your hands so art uh, crocheting wood turning metal work right up to using technology like laser cutting 3d printing um, and then coding so software stuff software and hardware electronics and things like that Uh, so basically you can take apart things at home and try and put them together you're actually making something Uh, you have kids playing around with uh, making making uh, stuff in Minecraft you know their their own worlds and things like that Uh, making digital contents making music but if you're into synths and stuff like that that's all making our audience is everyone uh, so if you can make something, uh, you're a maker. <laughs> and it, it, so it's not just professionals or it's not particularly niche. Being a maker is very tactile. You're showing off your projects or your work in progress projects, your creations, you, you know, and it's, it's, it's normally held in a park, a city park in Dublin um, in a summer and has never rained. It has always been sunny and it's free. So you can be walking a dog are walking near a park and wondering what's all these tents and you just walk in there's no you know it's free for everyone and you can chat to all the people who are showing their projects or you know things like that and they could be kids they could be adults they could be part of a school they could be colleges they could be part of a makerspace we're having it all remote this year um it was only just we only just launched the open call for the makers um anyone can apply we because it's virtual. Um, it's not. We were not restricted to Dublin or Ireland. We never restricted anyway. We had international makers um, apply, uh, and there's folks coming from Northern Ireland. You know, a lot of friends up there that come down as well. I think it's that buzz is missing. No matter how shiny you were going to make this. I just wanted to move on to the Irish-born Chinese. First of all, thank you so much for creating this platform for people like us to share experiences and meet each other. I have found it invaluable this past year. Um, I only discovered it last year on the Facebook um, page when I was developing a documentary about uh, second generation um, Chinese community and the kind of dynamics between the first generation, second generation and also the third generation in the context of growing up in the Chinese takeaway or restaurant. Mm. And I found it such a great resource to meet other people. And I met some incredible people on this group who I'm really good friends with and have kept in touch with beyond the documentary research. So I just wanted to ask you, Vicky, how did you birth this Irish born Chinese group and how did it all start? Well, uh, thank you. Uh, that was a lot <laughs> as in a lot of compliments there um yeah it was again um I, I think way back I just wanted to find people like what I said before trying to find people like myself and when I graduated from college um uh, that was a university of Limerick uh, down in the midwest of Ireland there uh, for people who don't know basically escaped up to Dublin for my first job um, it's as far as I can do to get away from home but yet being close to home you know so I'm I'm, uh, I'm still so very much a home bird here and I realized that um, even though I go home quite regularly I, I missed speaking Cantonese I missed my family uh, in Limerick there was a very small group of us so we're quite close my family and my relations 
and uh, I only I had a few kind of Chinese friends and then when I was in Dublin I just felt so alone okay the first first kind of part of my uh, uh, living in Dublin was fun because you're young you know just new jobs and all that kind of stuff making new friends but then you realize just some emptiness and this is before I think even before Google right and I was um, staying up all night searching for um, people like myself, I suppose. Oh, I, I never heard of the term BBC, well, not the BBC channel, but the British-born Chinese, the, the American-born Chinese. I go reading all the forums and stuff, and I was saying, where's the Irish ones? Um, and I couldn't find any, of course. Uh, this is pre-Google, so definitely couldn't find much. The initial immigrants, first immigrants, are normally from Hong Kong Hong or Cantonese-speaking yeah. or Hakka-speaking um, kind of villages and towns. And then the latter, I think, um, as more uh, uh, students from, I think I think there are mainly started students coming over from mainland China. So there's a lot more Mandarin speakers around. There's a lot more large, lots of groups of people just speaking Mandarin. And I just felt so out of place. And then um, whenever I visit London, especially around London, Chinatown, I hear people speak Cantonese. I felt so at home. It just felt I think something fuzzy, you know. It wasn't like um, I'm oh Hong Kong at home or something like. It was just felt like it was right, and it was missing for me when I went back to Dublin. So I found a site called. I was like I said there wasn't that many Bridgeborn Chinese sites. There was forums and there was websites. One called Dim Sum, and uh, they're not around anymore. Uh, but I contacted, and I think the editor got back to me, and I was saying, do you have a sister site in Ireland? He said, no. Why don't you? why don't you start up one? And this was like 2003 or something. And I said, no, I don't want, I've been messing around making my own websites, but it was just myself messing around. But this is different. This is creating something where you're connecting with strangers and you're opening yourself up to the wide, whole, whole wide world. Like, so I was terrified and I had to maintain this. Um, but I said, sure, I'll go and try it anyway. And I started posting my own stories. I was doing, at the time I was, I was, uh, blog blogs was only just starting to come along and I was messing with a lot of technology and then before just social media wasn't yeah, it? before so before social media that's like this is how old I am before Google <laughs> like what is life like before Google was searching there, I don't remember you know life before before Google it was like you know people laugh that. about like Alta Vista and you know ask Jeeves like those are the things I I was using like five or six different search engines trying to find overseas born Chinese information like um, relationships. Um, what's it like growing in a growing up in a city by yourself and trying to find other people to make friends with? Like, like not like dating, but just like just general, just meeting other people, speaking the language. I created a forum. Then it was back then when uh, forums were, were a big thing, and um, yeah, and then it's more. Uh, Irish-born Chinese started to join in and start chatting. I think it was because some of them were going in college and had a lot more time. But the main thing was the conversation amongst the local Irish community, uh, Irish Chinese community, and we it, it went well. And then as people got jobs and <laughs> got a bit older, that kind of dived a tiny bit. And then social media and all that came along. So I decided to just dabble and just I like, created. Um, uh, Facebook came around I created a, a group before Facebook pages came around and when Facebook pages came around I created one it was literally um, trying to find people who had common experiences I can improve my Cantonese which I said which I still haven't been managed to speak but Cantonese with people um, when I'm married to an Irish uh, to an Irish man and he doesn't he speaks 
just enough to uh, so my 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 parents or my mom is happy and my relatives in Hong Kong are happy so he knows that the, the different thank yous which is better than me because I keep still keep confusing it and he laughs at me for doing so but he knows <laughs> that's amazing he can speak yeah. Cantonese you're you're no just you're just Irish. a few words yeah, yeah. He, he he did a Cantonese course a long time ago and I remember we were practicing on it was, oh, I, these are things I remember weird things uh, it was like a July or something sitting in St. Stephen's Green Park outside oh if we could do that now and uh, <laughs> we, we were just going over his notes and we're practicing Cantonese but he found it really hard because the different tones there's a lot oh, more yeah. tones in Cantonese he he couldn't go to more advanced Cantonese classes because there wasn't enough interest which is quite sad mm-hmm. because at that stage as I said um, as I said there's a lot more Mandarin speakers and of course, a lot of the people who are growing up here, if they're being pushed to Chinese school, which is only in Dublin, mm-hmm. uh, at the time when I was younger, there was no Chinese schools, but just bar the one or two in Dublin. But now there's Chinese schools started around Ireland. The Leaving Search, you can actually study as uh, part of the curriculum now, yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah. Like I've nothing against Mandarin. It's just for me growing up, I, yeah. I don't I don't hear people speaking like myself and I don't understand Mandarin. So I mm-hmm. feel left out mm-hmm. and I feel so isolated, especially when you're a new person just moved to a city and you're just trying to find your way, finding your, I suppose, tribe, finding your friends, yeah. your group of friends yeah. and trying to settle down. And then you just feel like, you know, you're already home is already far away Mm -hmm. you know what's left that is familiar and you can't and you see people who look like you but don't speak like you and Mm -hmm. you just feel like oh you just something is missing um but yeah it's it's when I even went to I went even went to do Mandarin classes with my husband uh we did a six-week course and uh, it was going well I've forgotten all my Mandarin now I know how to say like you know Ni Hao and you know uh, and like uh, because my 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 sister-in-laws um, both my sister-in-laws are from China and uh, one of my sister-in-laws her parents come over quite often initially when I was doing Mandarin classes I was sort of understood them and we sort of talked a tiny bit I think whatever my parents um, would say that if we even if we can't speak Chinese the one thing we have to have to know is know how to uh, say our Chinese name and write our own Chinese name uh, because that for us i think a lot of people don't understand if you're not asian but our asian names are very important there's a meaning to it as well vicky getting back to your roots in limerick and, and your mom being being still in limerick and i know your your dad passed away a few years ago oh it's quite a while ago yes <laughs> but it feels like a few years ago but yeah it's been a, a while yeah because the last uh, time i was speaking to you you were talking about growing up in in above I don't know if it was a restaurant or a takeaway but you, yeah. you guys lived above it uh, when you were very young and you, you're recalling some interesting memories from those days in the earlier days uh, we lived above in the restaurants uh, a few floors up and uh, my parents were working below so uh, I would be just like most of the overseas born Chinese would be just wandering around the place and they I'd be just bringing I don't know how um when I'm looking at it now the restaurant is not as big as I thought it was when I was like two or three years ago when I start bringing down my tricycles and and I know because it's a few flights of stairs so you can hear me banging bringing down all my toys all the way down and up again but when well so when I grew up um I suppose um back in those days in Limerick it, it wasn't as uh I think it was a bit rougher. Um, my dad originally, like, we were f- from Cork, um, but my dad took over the uh, restaurant in Limerick, and he actually didn't like Limerick. He actually wanted to move back to Cork. 
But when I went down from uh, where were the living quarters down towards the restaurants, there was like um, uh, when you hit near the ground floor, um, there's like a intersection. So there's one uh, when you come down the stairs, you take a left and it's through a private door to the back of the restaurants towards the kitchen and where the staff is. And then there's you take uh, and then the, the other fork is um where you can actually look into the restaurant itself so that's where the um customers come up and down to go to the toilets and stuff right so uh i thought like people are having parties all the time down there i'm used to like all the noise and cacophony that you have in a restaurant and sometimes they can be louder than normal and then um i was like when i i realized like the staff would be keep shouting me to go back upstairs go back upstairs or go in the kitchen Uncle, fine, but like when you're a few years old, you know, when you have an adult shouting, you to go back inside. You just stand there. You wanted to go and see what's happening more. But yeah, yeah, I ended up going back in the kitchen. And as I grew older, I realized it was actually um, fights. People were just um, chucking chairs everywhere and just all fights, you know, always, there's always fights going on. People kind of running off or, yeah, it was a lot of racist kind of racism happening back then but I was too young to understand I thought it was just people having a party and people just tidying up after themselves the staff I didn't know I was a few years old and I remember one night as many of us will know that dinner times is very different when you're working in a restaurant or a takeaway you either have it like you know your dinner before it opens or yeah and then you have the final staff one after it closes and everyone tidies up so that's like one or two in the morning and I just remember this one time someone threw a brick through the window and all the staff, like the, the kitchen, I just remember the kitchen staff going in. One of them came running out with the cleaver, of course, because that's the closest thing you get to hand. Another person running out with that, you know, when you make a curry, like people, don't, if people don't know, when you make, when restaurants make curry, they have a huge, huge pot, but you need a huge thing to mix the curry with. And it's like a huge two by four wooden thing. Like so the you paddle have, oars. Like the paddle, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> So they were another person was running out with that as well, but they came back like just chased away people. But apparently, it's a regular occurrence. So when I asked, I only mm-hmm. found out about it when I asked my dad, you know, all these questions. I said those were fights. Those mm-hmm. are people just that this is that was on a regular basis. It's gotten a lot better. Limerick has gotten a lot lot better since like they've been, you know, um, Limerick have been getting a bad name, you know, all the time in the papers and stuff. But at the end of the day, like. Um, the community like the, the in Lemrick has been really nice you know we, they have a have a good um kind of customer base you just don't realize until you got a bit older how dangerous it was uh, that how much your parents go through um and the staff that they look after um with all this turmoil but it, it got it did get a lot better today it's unheard of that the families would live above um restaurants or takeaways or you know their family business but you know, like most immigrant parents, there there was no choice but to live above their business because it, you know, it saved them renting somewhere or buying somewhere else. And, uh, you know, you can't afford scared. to. Yeah, yeah exactly. you can't afford to. You, exactly. You're a young family and you're, you're trying to keep the business going and then your kids are growing up and they have to go to school and all that kind of stuff. OK, like expenses are very different to nowadays, but, you know, like, like even nowadays, uh, you, it's very hard to even think. It's very hard to buy a house mm-hmm. because I think my dad went through a few banks and they said no. And my dad felt it was, is it because, 
because that I'm Chinese or because I'm running a Chinese restaurant or what, like it could be anything, could be a lot of assumptions, different generations, different challenges, I suppose. Um, I mean, it still saddens me to hear um, during the research I was doing for um, a film around the the Chinese takeaway restaurant um, environment. I've heard so many people um, like ourselves who grew up in, in that family business and witnessed a lot of racism and that the, the kind of crazy thing about it is it was actual customers and that was um, in, you know, in the restaurant as a customer eating the food or in the takeaway were the ones that were also being racist and abusive to, to, to the staff and to the owners. Our parents' generation were very much, we're immigrants here. You know, we, we, we're the foreigners. We, we, um, we don't speak the language and we're very unfamiliar with the culture and we're here to work and keep our heads down and didn't challenge any of the, the racism that they faced. How did, how did it make you feel when you seen your parents face so much racial discrimination when you were growing up? Did you ever have those conversations? Because it, it is. A I don't know about, I, I don't think we ever had the conversations. I think whenever those confrontations happen, um, especially when I got a bit older, I think I joined in with the confrontation to defend my mom because my mom doesn't speak much English. My dad can. But when someone attacks someone who's just doing their, going about their business and, um, and start starting racist stuff. You're gonna, especially if it's your parents, you're gonna jump in and defend them if you can. Okay, you don't like for me. I'm very bad of coming with retorts. You know, you after, but you're so angry. You just want to tell them to just swear words, insert it, whatever, to go away, right? And you're just so angry, and then you just forget about. It. I said, I think um, we never talked about it. I think we we kind of say, oh, that person said, and I was like, oh, why? Just ignore it you know you won't see that person again or next time say this back to them or something like that and then just it's like a lot of microaggressions you either don't deal with it or you just uh, just ignore it kind of type thing uh or just um you know next time remember to do this you know but you mightn't see that person and i i think um i tried to explain this to my sister-in-law as she was explaining to me about all the racist comments and how i deal with it and things like that and I just said look if I took everything to heart since I was growing up I think I will be in pieces right now I I think I was angry when I was young you you get into fights you try to defend your identity what you didn't even even know what your identity all you know is people keep shouting at you you start defending and you don't know what you're defending but yourself and you feel it's like your honor or something like that that they're disrespecting and then um and and you, these people say things and you get hurt and you hurt for a bit and then after as you get older you're saying what's the point of holding all this in it's just you know you're just um I think it's you're just creating this dark dark shadow so I tried to tell her that I try to just forget I do remember I have memories of being hurt by people who are being racist you know from when I was really young right to whatever uh even recent or something and but you can't hold them. You can remember them, but those feelings you have to let go. English is not her first language. It's hard for her to retort as fluently as she would in Chinese, I suppose. And um, she was wondering how I handled it. And I just said, I just don't hold on. I might be angry at the time, 
I can remember these things, but I will just try and forget about it. And I have, and plus I won't be seeing these people anyway. And, um, and the most important person is yourself at the end of the day, you know, you, you, you should be standing taller than all these other people. Sadly, it becomes when you're born here, Vicky, uh, like we are, it's becomes part of, part of life and Mm. everybody deals with it in different ways. But when you're, when you feel different and that you don't have a sense of belonging from a really young age you learn very kids learn very quickly when especially when we were growing up Vicky there mm. we were probably the only Chinese people in our school mm. in our in our mm. immediate area and all our friends were white Irish so mm. kids learn very quickly that they're different podcast is called being cherish and i really want to elevate the, the voices of the chinese community and other minority voices living in ireland and i wanted to do it in a positive way and focus on humanizing and normalizing people that look like us and sound like us the chinese community in ireland is not just underrepresented in the mainstream media it's, i would say it's it's non-existent representation is like non-existent so i just uh, i wanted to make this podcast a positive platform for people like us to tell our stories and so I debated whether to go into the 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 problems with racism and the more time went on I just knew I couldn't have a discussion about being Asian in in Ireland without discussing the the anti-Asian racism and we see it across the world and uh, we see it very notably in in America not to say that that we have problems ourselves in, in the UK and in Ireland with anti-Asian racism. So I just wanted to pick your brain about it because you, through your Irish-born Chinese platform, you're very instrumental in raising awareness and um, sharing these stories and, and really calling out people that are being racist towards the community. I think it's really important that our community acknowledges the problem. We, we as I say, we, we try not to this kind of uh don't cause trouble you know don't 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 get involved in things but there's certain things where um when it's when it's hitting close to home um it's not just calling names now there's this uh, chinese woman got pushed into a canal just near uh, 15 minutes walk away from me in the canal it's just you know it's not that far from me they targeted that woman out of all the people it's a very popular walking spot along the canal and that hit home quite close our current mayor is hazel chu who's an irish-born chinese i was so ecstatic seeing her being the Mm -hmm. mayor i have never in my i've never thought in my lifetime we'll see someone like myself up there in uh, in politics and in such in and being a mayor of a city capital of ireland as well you know and that's just i was so happy i was overjoyed like i think the community here especially us the second generation onwards there's no excuse for us to ignore all these problems we we have the tools we understand the language we know the culture we are part of it you know not that your parents are not part of it but they but uh, a lot of our parents who came here to say may not have known um, learning to speak the language here integrated in society not everyone is fully integrated in society but they still felt like they're a foreigner and their home is always back, you know, the original place, which is probably in the far, in far East. Um, so for us, it's no excuse to say, oh, 
it's none of my business, you know, just keep her head down, uh, avoid, avoid the, uh, if you see, you know, something scary across the road, avoid that and all that. It's not, it's not enough for that. And I think, um, especially when it makes it into news, uh, I think it should be shouted louder and saying, look, we, we, we have this, you know, even if you don't want to put a protest and stand up for it, but just amongst ourselves the community just raise the awareness that this is happening look after yourselves look after those around you your family and friends spread the word and and that, that's what i wanted to share like i wanted to share like in, interspersed with the group the, the the post in the facebook group um i wanted to like not just share the raising awareness of race i also i do post up some more positive art stuff as well that i find that might be of interest especially for those who um have connections to hong kong or then because I put it on social media, so people, my friends will see it as well. So my non-Asian mm-hmm. friends will see it as well and they will share it. Yeah. And, I think you that's know, a really good point that you say that um, not your not your non-Asian friends will see it as well because I think that what what has happened over the past year, the Black Lives Matter movement since the death of uh, the murder of George Floyd in America last year, there there was a lot of conversations around racism um, in the West. No longer acceptable for people to say, "Oh well, I'm not racist, so I'm I'm okay. I, I don't do these things. I'm not a racist person, so." you know, I'm in the clear. I think there's a new um, understanding now among in the general population that um, it's not enough just to be um, not racist. It's, you have to be actively uh, anti-racist and move towards being proactive and calling things out as you see them. So it's important because I certainly, when I, I mention any anti-Asian racism that's been going on in, in America and, and, and in UK and Ireland, um, a lot of my friends would would be unaware of it because they're, I suppose, not actively seeking this information. So it is important for you to kind of highlight those issues for you know non Asian. But you people. don't. You, you also don't want what's happening in the states. Like, oh, like imagine like if your granny or something got knocked on the head while crossing the road here. Mm-hmm. You don't want incidents like that to actually happen. Then making the news and then saying, "Look, this is what happened." You wanted to prevent. And I, that's why I wanted to post these and saying, yes, some of the stuff is not here in Ireland, but um, it's it's uh, but it's happening right now. I think one of the most important things to try and do for our community is that it goes back to the whole representation thing and diversity and in, in, in the media. And because, you know, if, if we're not seeing people like Hazel Chu, who looks like she does and sounds like she does, then people like Hazel Chu in politics is such a rare thing then mm-hmm. it's more difficult for people to accept her as you know just somebody that's doing her job um instead of seeing her and and seeing her her ethnic background first and yeah. foremost um so it goes back again to my argument about yeah. representation and tv and media oh man yeah representation when i saw her as lord bear i was like oh my god that's the first thing i said the, like irish born chinese represent like i was just like it felt like so powerful to have it, that that emotion when I found out mm-hmm. officially that you know it was in the news and she was there mm-hmm. and it was just so overjoyed you know so it, representation does matter when people say about role models and things like that it does matter you don't have to shout out about it but when you see it there it, thing is um, if more people from different backgrounds go into politics and represents their constituents and their community you know. That will, that's amazing like 
if you don't know how important representation is, then you're well represented. Vicky, if you don't mind, I wanted to rewind a bit because you did mention to me in our uh, conversation last year about the pressures of being, uh, I think you're the eldest and you're the only yeah. You're the only, only daughter. girl. So only daughter. Of, yeah, I resonated with everything you were saying with the responsibilities and the traditional rules of being a daughter. And I just wanted you to talk about the, the kind of responsibilities that you had growing up for your parents who, who were not uh, native English speakers. And also the, the kind of responsibilities and the pressures of um, maybe your parents uh, wanting you to you know, help them out in the family business and, and maybe mm. take it over. Being the eldest, um, I think you also, also get the privilege, which you feel is a chore all the time to get you to do everything. Um, so not just household chores, which we all give out about, but everything from ringing, uh, arranging doctor's appointments, accountant. They're, because my parents work, so I'm pretty much in charge of looking after the house when they're out working. That's why my brothers are and my cousin is still terrified of me, I think, <laughs> because I, I rule, I'm supposed to rule the roost. I don't know. And then my brother um, uh, below me, he took over running a family business. Mm-hmm. I didn't um, because, as I said, I was moving away from it. I had the choice. And um, I think it was before my father passed away, I think a few years before, a couple of years before that, I think we had a wee argument when he says, you know, so, you know, the restaurant. And I go, uh-oh, I, I think I know where this is going, you know. And um, I think I had a wee argument saying, look, you know, you gave me the option to take one path or the other. I've taken the tech path and I didn't want to look after the family business. And I think my dad really wanted me to take over, even though all the way up to the point when he asked me, he said, it's your choice and what you want to do. And the restaurant is your backup. If things go awry and you couldn't find a job, there's always something that will be there for you. And that will be the restaurant. Um, But I I, but since, you know, my dad passed away um, since uh he was showing me the ropes and a lot of st- most of the stuff for the business so i was able to with the help of my uncle to uh fill in the gaps myself and my brother who took over uh the first two years like especially the first three months oh my god we were just trying to figure out how to get everything all the affairs in order for the business but because i knew most of the ropes i don't know if my dad was actually training me up in secret you know all for those years from mm. the different computer systems that he used, the counting systems, how he filed. Well, his filing is or my filing, very chaotic, but is an organized chaos. Um, but, you know, it's, it, I think he was sort of training me up because my brothers didn't know. I was the only one that knew how to do some of the, a lot of the stuff. And I think he was secretly training me up and I didn't know uh, until, <laughs> until he passed away. And then my brother took over because he felt it was his obligation. Again, it was more, he's very traditional. How did you yeah, feel about that when, when you know, your father was showing you the ropes and, and, and you had that conversation that you, you were not choosing to take over the business? How did you feel after he passed away um, that you were you were taking your own path into tech? It was hard. Here? It was a hard decision. Um, I think I had a talk with, you know, it was a talk with my mom, but ultimately it was, like also talking to my brother, like the next in line, uh, like um, my brother, number one. And he was just getting into um, starting his new life, you know, uh, as a new graduate and things like that. But he felt it was, he felt he he had more pressure. Like I know it's kind of, uh, you know, with 21st century and stuff, but at the end of the day, like um, this Chinese families are still quite traditional, 
no matter when you drill down and we pull everything apart it is still quite traditional and it's still still um very patriarchal right and um my brother felt it was his job to be like the man that has not the man like you know the the, the leader as in the even though mom is the one that pretty much is is, is the one calling the shots but he felt that uh, on the face of it he should be looking after everyone after what happens you know with with dad and um yeah we had that conversation I, I so long ago I can't remember but I know I had a fight with dad and I felt really bad but I wanted to make my voice known to him at the time that I you gave me the choice and I made my choice you can't you can't force me to go back on it you gave me you know it, I said it was just really unfair to put that on me I think that's uh but I think he understood. He, I think he just, he just made sure that you know that there is still a backup if things didn't not go well for me in my current job because tech has gone boom once before in the in in two thousands. You know, tech job people were getting laid off left, right, and center because of that. You know, bust. My Cantonese is really bad, so uh, all I could say was drawing and art in Cantonese, and I didn't know how to say it didn't know how to explain what graphic design was um and I think he um I didn't I don't know why I didn't try and explain it in English to my dad because we speak in Chinese we, we we're not allowed to, we don't speak English at home like we were like okay I speak it secretly with my brothers but with parents we always speak Cantonese and my my dad mom and dad said I'm not having you you know drawing caricatures on the side of the road you know <laughs> on the streets I want you to have um, as all parents they all they all want you to have you know a traditional view of job for life type thing you know after you've got this because they work so work so hard you know my my dad did uh, did go to college until an accident so he dropped out my mom never 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 gone to college before right um so she was uh she she worked all her all her life um supporting her family in hong kong before she came over and supported uh, um worked with dad to support us um so i chose graphic design anyway and uh i wasn't one thing about being the eldest girl apart from responsibilities and the only girl in the family you can't there's lots of rules about going out uh, you can't especially when I choose colleges I can't choose anything outside of Limerick so I saw graphic design and applied um my mom actually helped me bring me to the interviews for it like she she drove me to the interviews and waited outside for me I did the portfolios and everything paid it and paid the stuff paid whatever I need the fees went through the whole thing and when I got in uh, my parents said now next week we're gonna next week we're going to sign you up and you have to repeat your leaving sir in the long run uh, i suppose it's a scenic route i i did end up doing graphic design doing a lot of animated stuff um, stuff from my videos and um, everything and and it's just out of hobby i suppose if i got, did that as a job a part of a marketing company or something i might, I might have hated it as you know the the podcast called being cherish uh, and i wanted to ask just one question to end to end this lovely conversation what is the best thing about being Irish and what's the best thing about being Chinese being Irish just going out for a pint and with your friends I just love the social <laughs> aspect of it it's so different because uh if you think of social aspect of being Chinese uh, that's going out for food which is also good but it's very different you know being Irish I think I just uh yeah being able to go out in a social setting and just having a good laugh in a pub but for me, uh, learning a bit about the culture, um, that's that, that little missing piece of me, learning a tiny bit every time. 
that's that's for me that's uh that's what's been great about being chinese um makes me a little bit different i think if you're curious about the um, irish born chinese group um it's a closed group because um we just need to moderate in case to spam mainly um you can find us in on facebook uh in general um we're on twitter as well irish chinese so you can um find us on twitter and my personal twitter handle is uh w-h-y-k-a-y so yeah those are the main uh, main ones i probably want to share um but yeah if you want to find out more about uh, or want to join the community share experiences or if anyone has any questions yeah i'm happy to answer them and connect as well What an inspirational woman. Thanks so much to Vicky for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories with us. I really enjoyed hearing them. And thanks to you guys for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you would like to get in touch with us with any comments or feedback, you can find us on Facebook at Being Cherish or send us a good old-fashioned email, beingcherish at gmail.com. We would be delighted to hear from you. Until the next time, take care.